The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. You are now listening to Dainty Thug Podcast. Please be advised, Dainty Thug Podcast contains explicit and strong language. Become a Patreon supporter. Patreon.com slash M-S-A-B Fabulize Mag F-A-B-U-L-I-Z-E-M-A-G Your support allows Dainty Thug Podcast to have access to celebrities, get to events, host meetups, and produce quality content. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hey you, how are you? Thank you for still being subscribed. <laughs> Thank you for still listening to me. Um, first and foremost, I hope that everyone that is listening right now, I hope you are healthy. I hope you remain healthy. I hope you stay your ass at home. If you can, as much as you can, wash your hands and just take Every day at a time. If you can afford to stay home, if you are allowed to stay home, stay home. If you must work, please be careful. Cover your face, cover your nose, cover your chin. Don't let anyone cough or sneeze in your face. Wash your hands and just keep as much distance from other people as you can. I say that because we are in very interesting and untested times. I want everybody to use this time as much as they can to rethink, regroup, and redefine themselves and to try as much as possible to look forward. And with all that being said, I am happy to be back here with y'all. It's been a while and I know I'll be telling you all, I promise not to go away too long, but life, man, like fucking life, life is hard, man. <laughs> but um. I'm here, I'm in the house, so you're going to be hearing a lot more from me. And first up, you know, I was thinking about, you know, the whole culture of like influencers and stuff like that. You know, they're all being impacted. Fashion, beauty, especially travel influencers. And, you know, I think the only influencers that are really still able to sustain themselves at least partially um, are like parent bloggers and entertainment bloggers and 
uh, book bloggers. And I feel like we're in the house, so we're going to be watching more TV. We're going to be with our families more. Um, we're going to be reading a lot more, Cat, whether it's casual reading, serious reading, um, you know, catching up on things you wanted to read but you didn't have the time for. So I'm definitely going to be using my time to read more books because you know what? I miss reading. And I, I miss reading stuff that I know I will enjoy. So I, you all know I went to the Black Comic Book Fest and I actually got to hang out with Greg Burnham and Greg Burnham is half of the the super duo, duo of the Tuskegee Airs comic, indie comic. They had a very successful Kickstarter and they have been at all the cons selling their books, selling out. They they have created a very amazing and solid fan base. And Greg recently has kicked off a new project. He has a new project. And his new project is called The Search for Sadika. I was saying it I was saying Sadika at first because I'm ghetto. <laughs> but it's the search for Sadika. And what's really interesting is, you know, I'm going to be real. So my family, I was born and raised in Chicago. My parents were born and raised in Chicago. And my grandparents on both sides, you know, were part of the Great Migration Wave. So my family is super Southern with my grandparents, you know, so my they rubbed off on my parents, and of course it rubbed off on me. So I grew up knowing about Black Wall Street and the Tulsa City riots, but I was unaware of how many people didn't know about the Oklahoma bombings until watching. Like I, I was really, I really didn't know that people really didn't, that this wasn't common knowledge to a lot of people, like to the majority, for a lot of people, this wasn't common knowledge. This was like, kind of like a hidden, hidden travesty and, and black history and American history. So Greg Willis, he has his, his book out. And first of all, the art is amazing. And, you know, of course, the art is amazing. And I read, you know, the first issue. It's about a very beautiful, uh, precocious black girl. And she, you know what I really like? I really like, because I'm not going to give the story away, but what I really like, I really like when I get the chance to read about you know, historical black tales. Like, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, the actual story, but, like, I like it when it's set in historical settings, written by black people. Maybe that's the reason why I'm so, such a a fan of Octavia Butler. But there's something about, you know, 
historical fiction written by black people that really is has has a different type of feeling connection to it because I feel like no matter where we're from whether you you know you're from the south or you're from the midwest you're from the east coast or west coast we all we have grandparents and we have great-grandparents and you know we all have family tales where we can connect to something in our history and what I like about this first comic is it's is a it's a great read. It's a simple read. When I don't say when I mean use the word simple, I don't mean simple as in it doesn't lack it doesn't lack death or character. It's simple in a way that is easily digestible to like younger children. I can see like a first or second third grader reading this and really enjoying it. So Here's the interview with me and Greg. I hope you all like it. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you pick up the book because the book is really good. Um, um, in the in the description of the show, you'll be able to link. You'll be able to see his uh, shop and you can be able to buy it. I hope you do enjoy it and buy it because I really like it. And plus, like, like I said, the art is really, really cool. So enjoy it. Enjoy this interview. And I'll talk to you. All right. And wash your damn hands. <laughs> Talk to you later. Hey, everybody. Happy Women's History Month. I am glad you are here with me, listening to me. I know it's been a while, but damn, so much has changed in like a month. It's been like, wow. You know, we went from like talking to Black Lightning and celebrating Black history to like now all of us niggas stuck in the house with each other. So I guess, you know, we could make more content and talk about the shit we're going to be doing with each other, right? So I would like for you all to welcome my guest, writer extraordinaire and creator of the Tuskegee Airs comic, The Search for Sadiqa, we have today Greg Burnham. Hi, Greg. Hi, Erica. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for coming on the show. So let's let's keep it real. Let's get straight to the point. Let's talk about your book. Let's talk about how it is for the culture. Let's talk about how it is to be a black creative and you know why why the time right now is now to be putting out all this awesome black shit. <laughs> all right, let's go. All right, so for those who have not read, you know, um, the search for Sadika, introduce us to the character. Tell us what it's about, and when did you start working on it, and your inspiration behind it. All right, so uh, the search for Sadika, I would pronounce. Oh, I'm sorry, I was saying it wrong. Why are you didn't correct me? It's okay. It happens all the time. They do it with Tuskegeeers too. Where they're always like, "Yo, that's heirs," and maybe like hires and heroes and everything. So you know, we're used to it. But you know, a lot of people do pronounce that name Sadika. So, um, but I'm just yeah. You know those. what? I am so Midwest, so I I look at it and I'm like Sadika, duh. <laughs> but is Sadika? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, the okay, Arabic. So Sadika. Yeah. So um, 
The Search for Sonica is a historical action adventure with a splash of fantasy. Um, it follows a young girl. She's 13 years old. She ends up having to leave her home through a tragedy, which you'll find out uh, stems from the uh, Black Wall Street, the Tulsa, uh, I, I hate to call it a massacre because there was actually resistance. Um, but, you know, that, that whole event. Um, so she ends up having to go on this long quest to find this mythological place uh, and some distant relatives that she believes are hers. Uh, so that's how it starts. The first issue, um, I call it issue zero, it's an origin story. So okay. um, it's like everything that leads up to her going on this you know, long journey that she has to tackle. Uh, inspired, of course, by the uh, Black Wall Street events. So the funny thing about it is I, uh, you know, I'm a history major. I was a history major. And I be thinking I know everything that has to do with history. And one night um, I just stumbled across this documentary on YouTube, and it showed some things that I had never seen. Um, it showed, uh, you know, how black men grabbed their guns and went down to the police station because they weren't going to let the Klan, you know, pull this young man out of prison, out of jail, to lynch him. Um, so, you know, it showed that there was back and forth. It wasn't just, you know, black people getting slaughtered. Um, but overall, some of the things that I took was like, we always think about that incident, but we don't think about the aftermath. Um, you know, after, you know, they locked all the black people up or ran the black people away, the white people went into the town and like started like pillaging their homes and taking everything, anything of value, just taking everything out. And then once they got everything they wanted, they would burn the houses down. And then the government ended up selling that land to white people, <laughs> you know? So uh, that's what really, you know, hit me. I had a dream, honestly, um, about a young girl surviving that aftermath and kind of going on the run. And that's where the, you know, where the inspiration came from. Okay. So how do you explain, like, for someone, well, now that we're in, like, a post-Watchmen society and, like, so many people were pretty much schooled on the event of, you know, Black Wall Street and the, the massacre that happened in Oklahoma, how do you use that tragedy and turn it into, like, a superhero setting? Um, I think, you know, for my part, um, it's staying in that time and in, in the 1921 time period. And so, you know, I don't want to give away, but there is going to be the little girl is going to come back to the town once he's powered up, you know, leveled up. <laughs> so uh, there will be some reckoning. Uh, I, I think, so I was worried about the Watchmen, which I love the series, don't get me wrong. But the first time I watched that episode, I, I was worried because I didn't, I was hoping that people weren't like receiving their introduction that way because they didn't show uh, the resistance. They didn't show uh, that, you know, I, I don't feel like they did a good job of explaining what that, 
you know, that district was about, that Black Wall Street district was about, and why the true reason why the white people came in, it wasn't just, you know, uh, blind racism, even though that was the root, but there was, you know, it was, you know, these black people were making more money than them, and they were living, you know, more sophisticated, and, you know, the the whites hated that, you know what I mean? So, um I think they ended up, you know, wrapping up the series really well, but I was just worried about that because I feel like we have a responsibility, you know, when we're showing these things to, like, really pay homage and give, like, a clear uh, clear detail of what happened. So um, not trying to compare because it's two totally different things, but in mine, I kind of am going to be, like, showing pieces of what really happened and, you know, the whys, like, in the book, Sadika's father owns a bank, you know, there right. were black bankers, um, you know, they're, you know, black people, they, you know, black doctors, black restaurants, everything, and it was, like, classy stuff, and so I, I feel like I owe that because we need to be able to see that it wasn't just black owned, it was, you know, being run at a really high level. Oh, wow. Okay. How easy is it for you to write, like, black women and black girls as the protagonist in your in your writing? Uh, I, I wouldn't go with easy. <laughs> um, because, I, like, I'm always conscious of, you know, of how black women and black girls have been portrayed throughout media forever. Um, so, like, with Tuskegee Airs, I write that and co-create that with Marcus Williams. And where you know, we both have daughters. We both have, you know, mothers who are really, like, our central figure in our life. You know, um, I, I can kind of I, – I would feel comfortable saying that I grew up in a matriarchal, you know, family. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the women ran stuff and the men ran. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, I have all of this. I have sisters. Uh, I have a sister. I have, you know, like everything has been, you know, women for me. And so I can pull on, you know, things like real things that happen to me are real people that I've known. Um we don't tell everybody, but Tuskegee Airs, the two young lady pilots, they're named after our daughters. My daughter's name is Ayana. Marcus's daughter's name is Jennifer. And so it's like, you know, those, they, like they even resemble the characters. And so, you know, we're pulling off those personalities. And I, I do that with any character that I create. It's like I don't, I don't want to – I want to make like a real person. You know what I mean? So I, I don't – like look at stereotypes and all that kind of stuff. I just try to push, you know, real people and real tendencies. So I can at, at the very least say, no, there's a person that's like this, you know. Um, but it, it's very carefully. Um, and just as a whole, like when you're doing black characters, like have you have you seen when, when like a black person does a black character and – you feel like they're writing them from the standpoint of whiteness 
Like you're writing exactly yes, and how I, and the I white don't person like it. I don't right. like it. <laughs> right. It's so irritating. It's like what is like, what am I reading? Dude, like, dude, you did the same thing that they would do, you know? And so, you know, I'm always cautious of that. I'm always cautious of, you know, integrity with all characters. But then when it's a black woman, I'm doubly cautious because, you know, it's like I feel like there's a responsibility when you're creating and when you're doing this art stuff, you have, you know, you get to decide if you're going to push the same lame narratives or if you're going to show, you know, what's really real. You know what I mean? So I read it. And when I first, let me ask you this question. Okay. Outside of just knowing like the history of what happened, um, in Oklahoma with the Tulsa Tulsa City riots. Did you read anything else in that time period? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we, what did you read? Well, like I said, I'm a history major, so I wouldn't say that I just read like one thing, but I did like a lot of, um, we did like a lot of time period research on like clothing and um, like actual like, there's some little pictures that we have where you know that are in the city like we were we were taking like pictures of actual stuff in the city so um i wouldn't say specifically i read like any books or anything but i was doing like research um on the time period and trying to make sure everything's accurate is that what you were asking or yes because it was going to lead us to my next question because you know, reading, like, a lot of vintage books by, like, black writers and topics that concern black Americans, the language in older books has a certain flow to it, like the things they say and how they say it and uh-huh. the environment that's painted. Mm-hmm. And the first part of your book with the school, like the little house on the prairie-looking school where, like, it's like two, three grades in one classroom. Like that was very much a thing in that mm-hmm. time period. So there'll be like first, second, and third grade, sometimes fourth grade in one classroom. So it will be older kids with younger kids. So I can see how she was protecting her cousin who was younger mm-hmm. than her and mm-hmm. still being in the classroom with older kids. That's why I asked. Um, what was your um, influence with that? Because that was very um, uh, accurate for that time period. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like that was um, – and, I, you know, I, the history part of the schools, I actually was able to go in Virginia, and I'm going to – I'm not even going to say the name because I'm going to mess it up because I can't remember all the way. But um, – we went to this small town in Virginia, like outside of Norfolk, and um, it actually had, like, it was it was so amazing. They had a school, you know, the same kind of school. I forgot where they brought it. They said they brought it from like the Midwest, and it was at, it doubled like as a museum, but you could actually walk in the school. You saw how big the classroom was, and they had all this literature about you know, the schools, and um, I want to say J.P. Morgan Chase, I think, or the guy from the guy from Sears, I think that was, whoever the guy was that uh, owned Sears uh, actually put, like, a lot of money in to get these schools built up all over the United States. And, um, you know, of course, 
our books, we got the old books, you know, um, the teachers got paid less and all of that. But I really felt like that was something, especially, you know, being from the Midwest and like my grandmother went to a school like that, you know? So um, it, it was really cool to, to do that. And I wanted to actually show that. I actually hated because in the, in the process of creating a book, it's like you gotta cut stuff because you only got so many pages. Um, I wanted to talk more about it, and I'm going to, you know, throughout the series. But that, I thought that was, like, something that I really needed to do, especially for little ones, because little kids, they don't really understand what, you know, our people, our ancestors did to get them where they are today, you know? Right. How do you write something for, like, young kids to, like, understand? Uh, so the key is I don't, I, I think content wise, as far as, you know, like if you're putting, you know, it's not going to be graphic, but I don't write it for them. Like I write it to where adults can, in, can enjoy it and kids can enjoy it. So it's like, I actually write up like, how do I say it? Um, I, just like me when I was a kid, I remember the first book back in the scholastic days i'm probably dating myself when we had the book fairs i got to look Empire. look i understand because look i am a reading is fundamental child myself <laughs> right so i uh i remember like being in the second grade and i got the empire strikes back novel and the teachers were like no that's that's too old for you and i was like whatever and my parents were like you gonna read that big old book and i'm like yep and I got a dictionary, and I sat down with my dictionary, and any time I came across a word I didn't know, I just look it up, and then I knew the word. So um, I ended up reading. It was like 287 pages. I'll never forget the number of pages. <laughs> and, uh, but I read it, and that's how I raised my kids. My kids are old now, but um, I raised them like we're not going to dumb it down for you. You know, I'm, I'm going to make sure it's appropriate for your age, but I want you to, you know, work to read this book. And it actually seems to be working out because, like, we've gotten all this acclaim with Tuskegee Airs, and they put them in schools, and, you know, now Sadika is going in that same way. So, but um, I, it's just a trick. It's like you're writing so they can digest it, you know, but then... Also, you're not dumbing it down to where adults don't want to read it. Okay. What is the next arc of the story going to be? Because I don't want to give it away for people who are going to read it, <laughs> but where are we going to go? Uh, she's, you know, she's got a journey to go on. So um, the, the next issue, she's going to... You know, we're not going to pick up directly from that moment. It's going to be a little bit later. We'll explain what happened. But, um, you know, she's got to head out. She received a map, and she's going to have to, you know, get on the road and go after that map. Um, she's going to get introduced right away to some uh, to someone else that's going to be helping her on her journey, and it's time to roll. Who are some of your favorite writers to read to get inspiration? 
Oh, um, this is weird because it doesn't even show in the in the stuff that I published, my children's books, or the comics. But uh, Edgar Allan Poe is one of my favorite writers. This period, uh, when it comes to comic books, I, I like uh, David Walker. Um, just watching him, one of the things I love about him is how he puts the the soul into the character. So you're, you know, how you, you know, you read sometimes and the characters are just kind of flat, but uh, he really puts soul into it. So comics, David Walker, um, other stuff, Edgar Allan Poe. Um, I like uh, that Dan Brown guy, uh, <laughs> Da Vinci Code and all that. <laughs> He's pretty, I, like, you know, I, 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 those books are interesting to me. Um, I like the way that he handles suspense. So I guess that would be, like, uh, I went through a long period where I didn't read any fiction. <laughs> Oh, wow. How was that? Uh, it was just some nerd stuff, man. I was, like, just trying to put as much information in my brain as I could. So, um, you know, I still... And also, because I write fiction, you know, it's like I don't want... Something happens where, like, stuff can, like, seep into your brain and you won't even remember it, and then it ends up coming out of your work. So it's like I always was like, I'm going to kind of stay away. But, you know, those guys that I named are pretty much like people that if they drop, well, Edgar Allan Poe is dead. But if anybody else, you know, drops something, I'll probably pick it up. Let's talk about you and cons. You are at every single con, or at least a vast majority of them. Until coronavirus. (laughs) Coronavirus messing with my money, y'all. So is that the key to be the, to the success of an indie creator is to just be out there at the at all the cons? I won't say. <clears throat> sorry for that. Um, I think it's selling at the cons, right? Um, because if we're not able to actually move the books, move the product, then we can't afford. Like literally, our comic book sales, you know will, you know, take care of our hotels, like whatever we have to pay. Some conventions we're guested, we don't have to pay anything. We just get to the airport. And then others we have to, you know, pay the whole way. And so um, we have, you know, going to them is great, but, like, our mission is to, like, move products. And so um, luckily, like, we have really great fan reactions pretty much on everything that we created, so um, it really helps. But, yeah, um, we made a conscious decision that we were going to go and hit as many conventions as we could afford, like, all over the country because you do, you end up, every time you go to a convention, right, you end up, you know, grabbing some fans that you didn't have before, and then... You know, you already, you know, it's like every year these things start to be, like we just recently uh, did C2E2. I think you're familiar with Chicago a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that thing is like a family reunion. We, we'll, we'll have, you know, maybe 40 to 50 people that 
come every year, and they always come to our table first. So, um, and it gets to be like that at all these conventions. So, yeah, going to a lot of conventions really helps us. But, again, um, making our setup and making our products that people want to purchase, it really helps as well. So what is the best con or fest for you to go to? Like where you say that you, I mean, you go to a lot, but where you, where, mm-hmm. which con do you say to yourself, yo, this is where we make the most money at? Oh, okay. So um, most money, and this is, this is going to be cool, right? Most money, uh, New York Comic Con, Emerald City, in Seattle, the one that I would have been at this past weekend uh-huh. that, that I wasn't able to go to because of the coronavirus, uh, that one. Um, and the, this is where it gets really, really cool and makes me really, really happy is the Black Comics Fest in Harlem. Okay. They get, you know, you, you go, you see, they, they might get 10,000 people in a weekend. And right. It's a two-day con, and we still make a lot of money there. Where, like, compared to like New York Comic Con, that's got, you know, 175,000 people, and it's a four-day con, right? Right. Uh, that com- that convention is we do really well at. We do really well at Blurred Con, um, which uh, I know. Yeah, we we do we do good, you know, at Blurred Con. Dragon Con, Atlanta, um, that's our home city, and we do well there, too. Who else am I leaving out? But then there's other cons where we, 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 we always do well. Like, our, our goal is we're never going to lose money, um, and we're always going to be able to make profits off of these conventions. So there's other conventions that we love, um, but there's so many. It's hard to just name. Like, MomoCon, we love MomoCon. That's also in Atlanta. Um, the people that run that convention are really great. So I think that C2E2, we do pretty well. I just need them to move. It's not like you do really well at all the time. I mean, no, there's different levels of really well, though. Like, there's, you know, like, we, um, we've been able, we've had times where we sold, like, over 600 books in New York Comic Con. That's amazing. Um, you know, and then we're also selling posters. We're also selling, uh, I, you know, children's books that I I do children's books. I have Marcus illustrate those. So you know, we're we're moving a lot of stuff, man. So there's different really well. <laughs> How did you meet Marcus? Yo, so um, okay, so I had, I moved to Atlanta. I had a wife and little kids, all that good stuff. And I was like, um, I want to do a comic book. I had this story that I came up with. And so um, my homie, we were, like, looking for artists. And we kept finding artists, and they were like, you know, like I had one guy, he looked like he was really good. But then I sat in front of him and realized he was, like, tracing. You know, it was just always something. Um then I kept running into black artists that couldn't draw black people, or they couldn't do it well. What? Yeah, no, I, it's, a, it's a real thing. And it was, especially back then, this was like 2000. Okay. Um, 
And so I I have my own theory, which I believe in. Um, which if you is? Don't see, if you don't see a people as beautiful, then you won't draw them as beautiful. And okay. so, like, there, you know, there's even, especially back then, it's like if you're an artist, you weren't drawing black people because nobody ever told you that you could be successful doing that, you know? Um, so, you know, we just kept running into people. And so my boy was like, hey, man, I got this dude. He looks, he's kind of nice. And I was like, well, bring him to my house. So he brought Marcus over. And, you know, Marcus was showing me his little portfolio. Now, mind you, at this time, Marcus is uh, probably 19. And uh, he, you know, when Marcus got out of high school, he got a gig working for um, Cartoon Network doing uh, the Powerpuff Girls comic book. Okay. Really cool. Um, so he's showing me his portfolio, and I'm like, oh, man, this is beautiful stuff. And then, but I, I you know, I still didn't believe him because I had already got burnt by a tracer. So I was like, uh, can you, like, draw something right now in front of me? And he was like, yeah. And so he did it in front of me, and I was like, hey, I got this idea. I got this idea. I'm sorry, I was getting ready to sneeze. <laughs> I got this idea, and... Um, I want to see if you'd be interested in, you know, drawing the comic. So I gave him the idea. He's cracking up laughing. And, you know, that was our initial meeting. Came to my house. And then after that, we just started kind of rolling. So the key to finding a dope-ass artist is you just got to keep looking. Well, yes. Um that's how my artist for um, the search for Sadika, the guy that does the pencils for that one, we found him on Instagram. His name is Shannon Shapenter. He's pretty freaking awesome. Um, and his Instagram is art of SVS. If anybody wants to look at it, S is in Sam, V is in Victor, S is in Sam. Um, but yeah, we. I was looking around. I had several people that I reached out to. And one of the things I'll say is, like, people don't, won't really understand how much it, you know, like, how much comic artists get paid. Like, if you don't understand the scale, and this is something that we had to learn back in the day as well. If you don't understand the scale, you might be asking for, like, an astronomical amount of money and not even know it. And so I was, you know, checking with people. And a lot of people were giving me, like, these really high numbers per page. And it's like, I'm going to end up paying, you know, six or $7,000 to get line work. Like, that's ridiculous. I can't do that. Um, so, you know, we ended up, after a while, I was kind of like, eh. And then Marcus hit me up. He was like, yo, I think I found the guy. <laughs> so he showed me his page. And, I, you know, my jaw dropped. And so we reached out to him, and he was like, I know who you guys are, and he's super-duper cool. Like, he's actually a friend now. Um, but, yeah, you just you have to keep looking. You have to, even after you find the person that you think is going to be your guy or girl, you then have to, like, kind of establish a relationship and see how they work. Do they meet, like, deadlines or, you know, are they – Going to, are they going to meet the agreed upon time? Because I wouldn't just say deadlines. Like if you say, hey, man, we're going to do this many pages a week, 
see if they're going to actually keep up with that. So it's it's tough, man, especially as a writer that, like, like I suck at drawing. I couldn't draw anything. So it's like I'm totally dependent on artists. How the hell do I make a comic? How do I write one? How do I come up with a script? How do I write it? I mean, like, where do I start? Okay, well, I can charge you uh, $50. No, I'm just fine. For you, Erica, <laughs> I will give away the game. Um, I mean, have you written scripts before? Like, uh, TV, movies, I mean, not just for me, but just scripts? in general, because I meet so many writers, like who, oh, okay. like journalists and writers who just be like, you know, I want to produce a graphic novel. I want to write a comic book, but I don't know how to write it. I'm just a regular writer. I'm a regular journalist. I'm a regular novelist. Like, how do I write a comic? How do I write a script for a comic? Where the hell do I start? So you kind of, I, I say you need to read some comics. Little known fact, I had, I was, I had got way out of comics for a long time because I was tired of how black people were being portrayed. Um, but you kind of need to read just so you can understand, like, flows, understand what can and cannot be done, and pretty much you can do anything in a comic. Um, but just kind of understanding how, you know, how it works. Like, writing it is not as hard as directing it. Because um, when you're right, you know, like, like say I want to do a – a scene inside of a grocery store. You know, you need to describe what's going on in that that grocery store, you know, kind of like to a T. So that's why I was asking, if you have any history with writing scripts, then it's not really that hard. Um, but then it's the same elements to, you know, that you have to writing any other fictional story. But I think you you definitely have to read them to get like a sense of how stuff flows. Um, you write a script, like I usually will write like an outline first and then I'll write like in prose form, like what's going to happen throughout the comic. I always try to come up with the ending of that, you know, that particular issue and the arc before I start writing it. That way I can kind of, you know, be a little bit next level and kind of weave certain things in and out. You know, maybe drop some little nuggets here that'll pay off later. But right. um, I really like I, I tell people, man. Sometimes you just gotta get in there and do it. Um, come up with the story, and then you gotta be able to break it down. Page one, panel one, panel two. You know, <laughs> and you know you start uh, kicking that out. I love writing dialogue. That's like my favorite thing about writing is writing dialogue so um you know that part if you're not really used to it that's another thing to kind of study up but i always tell people you know just pull like pull not necessarily real life instances but pull feelings pull like you know somebody that talks the way you want this character to talk and then just you know crank it out Okay, now let's let's wrap this up. I just have I want to know what are your favorite comics now? What are you reading now? What do you like to read on your downtime? What 
who's a writer or at least a project you wish you was involved in? Uh, so we got this uh, project for DC. <laughs> we just have a picture tour. Uh, some, but me and Marcus have one. That's the project that I wish we could do because we could like we could kind of like change the game for them a little bit. Um, uh, like I, I, like if David Walker writes a comic book, I'm gonna read it. Um, I'm also uh, I just filled out my survey for uh, Crescent City Monsters. Have you checked that out? I haven't read it yet. Okay, yeah. Um, that. Who else? Uh, Niobe, all day, every day. Um, I, like I, like I said, I'm not super huge in the comics. What's the latest comic? I, I, I just go by comics. <laughs> like, uh, and like if it looks like something that I'd be interested in. Um, so, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, the Niobe series is something that I'm kind of faithful to. Uh, David Walker just did another Kickstarter. Yeah, I saw it. It looked really cool. Yeah, he's, I, I don't know, and he's such, like, he's one of the guys, like, when I get to talk to him, it's like I just kind of, um, I'm always soaking up you know, information, because he's been doing it for a good amount of time, and he really, you know, he's cool with sharing, and, you know, so, um, yeah, Eve Ewing, how did I forget Eve? I love Eve. Um, In fact, tomorrow, there's a, um, I think she's got a new comic dropping, and um, I'm going to forget. I just don't want to say because there's other people, but I'm going to forget somebody and they're going to shoot me. Maybe not shoot me. I love what she's doing with Riri. Yeah. And she's so cool. She's another person that I tap, you know, from time to time if I have any questions or, and she's always, you know, there to offer information. Um, We, like, it's kind of like, we're cool with doing our own thing. We, we, you know, we have our own publishing company, and you know, we're pumping out our own stuff. But you know, it, it, at the same time, it would be cool to do something, you know, for Marvel or DC. Um, so. so you're definitely open to it. So have have you read the Marvel Voices? I haven't. Um, just uh, I don't know why. I don't have a good excuse. <laughs> well, you know what? I want you to read it because I'm actually mm-hmm. going to talk about it with you. Okay. Um. So, yeah, you know, I'm glad that you're really cool with her because I think what she's doing with Riri is really cool because I think when Riri first launched, I wanted to be into it, but the reading, the writing to me didn't feel authentic. Right. Like it was clear that, and I know, like, I think Bendis, that was his character, and I, I, I know he's, like, he, I like him and Jessica Jones, because I, like, I still read Jessica Jones, but mm-hmm. if you're going to create a character of a black girl from Chicago, she has to sound like a black girl when I read right. it, especially as someone from Chicago. Like, I know the lingo of, like, how 
people from the area talk, and if they don't talk like that, it may really come across the comics, it doesn't feel authentic. Like, a lot of writers, characters are from New York. Like, Spider-Man, he embodies that Queens boy persona, you know, so that has to be felt. So Yeah, and that's, a, that's important. Like, that's that, you know, breathing life into characters instead of, so they're not just like a linear you know, good guy or bad guy, but, you know, they really have, like, a real soul. They really have the spirit that you're, you know, that you're claiming they're supposed to have. So that's huge, um, being able to inject that into your character. Well, you know what? This was dope. Um, I hope that this isn't the only conversation we have. Sorry for the delay. <laughs> Man, it's all good. I don't have anything to do because of coronavirus. Well, you know what? Yeah, I mean, it sucks, but I'm I'm actually happy that I'm going to have, like, more time to, like, actually be home to, like, write the content and produce the content that I want because it's so hard to, like, balance my magazine and write for all these other publications and then record my podcast and then the baby takes up so much time. So it's like now that, you know, you know, her father's going to be home more, I can, like, do more. You know what I'm saying? So I'm actually going to, like, use this time and just maximize my creativity as much as possible. I'm trying to do that. Um, so I'm, like, a huge sports fan, and right now I'm, in, I'm like, having withdrawals. Uh, so it's, like, I think once the withdrawals start to calm down, I'll be able to focus more. Uh, the other day I watched, like, eight boxing matches, like Roy Jones, Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> it's a struggle right now. The NBA, man, I love basketball. And so, yeah, but hopefully in a couple of days I'll be able to get my head clear and get back on it. Because you're right, right, you know, this time that we have away is time that we can be cranking out more stuff. All right, so if everyone is listening, I am going to be posting my review of Greg's book because I read it, and it's Women's History Month, and I want to get that out as soon as possible. And I also, you know, if you read it, let me know what you think of it. I would love to hear y'all feedback because I, you know, when I saw Greg at the Black Comic Fest, I was like, I got questions, I got questions. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I think it's really good. I'm looking forward to number two. So thank you for coming on Dainty Thug. We're going to talk again in the, in the near future. I thank you for all your wisdom and your jewels, man. I have a couple, but I'm still learning, like, everything. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to put your um, information in the link, and we're going to holler at you later. All right. Hi, thank you. Thank you.